right, what's up, Instagram? We're going live with another News for Jags podcast. The Jaguars officially, finally have a head coach. Jamal Saints here here with Justin Barney. And, uh, whew, it's been a long ride, hasn't it? It has been a long (laughs) one. Yeah, we were were talking about a new coach in the middle of the season last year. So, uh, to see it finally come to fruition, again, late night. Seems like Jacksonville loves dropping news (laughs) after everyone has gone to bed. You know, last time they had uh, news in the middle of the night. It was December 16th. Uh, Urban Meyer was uh, unceremoniously dumped at uh, 1245-ish. Yeah. Um, December 16th, early in the morning. A lot of players didn't even know it until they got up and saw the text messages the next day. So this was a little bit earlier. Um, smidge. A smidgen earlier. So um, finally glad to have it done and over with and in the book. And we're not coach-watching anymore. Jacksonville finally has a head coach. They finally have a head coach. But goodness, it feels like this was like their third choice. It, it, does, it doesn't feel like they got their guy. It feels like they got a guy. I mean, it's, it's taken so long. It's been a long road. There was 28 days between Doug Peterson's first interview and his second interview. You know, if, you, if they announced like three weeks ago after that first interview that we're hiring Doug Peterson, everybody probably applauds it. Yeah. You're looking at, oh, they're bringing in a Lombardi winning coach. This is great. The Jaguars are doing phenomenal. But then, you know... It, after the first interview, things went radio silent. It seemed like Peterson had basically struck out on like the rest of the NFL jobs that he was looking for, and it almost feels like he settled and the Jaguars settled, and here we are now with him in Jacksonville. It, it does feel like a consolation prize, yeah. and it, it kind of you hit the nail on the head. If it was three weeks ago that he was announced, I think everybody would have been on board. We got a Super Bowl winning coach. He won with Nick Foles as a quarterback. He beat Tom Brady. He's had. You know, two losing seasons, and you know, only one of those was traditionally really bad. You know, four eleven in one season. Yeah. Um, been to the playoffs three times, so I think you we beat the drum on a coach with experience or coordinators with experience. Yep. If you wanted to go with a guy like a Byron Leftwich, you hire staff that was uh, insulated with that NFL experience. But if you went with a head coach with that um, NFL head coaching experience, I mean, Doug Peterson was probably the best guy out there. I mean, him or Caldwell, you can make arguments either way. I just think it's funny. I think uh, the Jaguars clearly have some sort of obsession with that Eagles Super Bowl. Yeah, Because they, they, they paid big bucks to bring Nick Foles here, who was the, the hero of that Super Bowl that famously crashed and burned very quickly, turned into Minshew Mania, got Nick Foles up out of town. And then quickly, a few years later, now we're here and we got Doug Peterson coming to town. It's like, okay, well, if Nick Foles wasn't the guy that won the Eagles that Super Bowl, let's try and bring a coach that won him there to Jacksonville. It's just weird, you know. John Filippo too. I mean, you've got so many. There's clearly an obsession with that Eagles Super Bowl. Uh, You know, hey, and you bring successful guys in. You hope it works. We went from Doug to Urban. Now we're back to Doug. And a Doug was the last guy that got the Jaguars into the playoffs. So maybe another Doug can get them back. Who knows? We'll see what happens, and Peterson is definitely a an interesting hire. You know, you talk about head coaches, you don't often find former Super Bowl winning coaches on the open market, but mm-hmm. here we are, and he was, you know, kicked out of Philadelphia for one reason or another, and now he's here in Jacksonville. It seems like, at the very least, based on the tweet, that Trevor Lawrence seems happy with the mm-hmm. situation, so... If we got an offensive-minded coach who can work with Trevor, um, you know, at the very least, that is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think go back to if he was hired three, four weeks ago, I think this would have been perceived as a pretty, uh, pretty slam dunk hire. You got an offensive-minded coach. You got a guy with NFL experience. A guy who's won a Super Bowl recently as a head coach, not a coordinator. So I think he checks boxes that Urban Meyer didn't didn't have. 
and I think that had you hired him instead of letting this process drag on, um, let fans get wind of Byron Leftwich could be your guy, yeah. um, could be a regime change with Trent Baalke being replaced by Adrian Wilson. So I think all this information coming out from you know from sources and leaks and never directly from the Jaguars, I think really kind of painted the Jacksonville Jaguars as, as in a bad light. You know, you look at the other teams in the NFL, they're releasing, hey, we inter- completed an interview with uh, Matt Eberflus. Hey, we con- uh, completed an interview with Nathaniel Hackett. Keeping fans and engaged and abreast of the situation, there's been radio silence from the Jacksonville Jaguars forever, you know, since the season ended, essentially. And I think that's bad to a fan base that you've asked to be patient and trust us and bear with us. And you've had the, the Meyer debacle, yep. bad season after bad season. Yep. Shotcon's tenure has not been uh, one of, uh, of many, many highs. It's been a lot of lows. And you're asking them to kind of trust in this process, and you're not – keeping them updated, you're left to kind of read the tea leaves as a Jaguars fan. Yep. So I do think they've got to uh, earn some goodwill back. And I, I think the Peterson hire, I like it. The more I think about it, I like it. I liked it when you know, Cole Pepper and I talked about it um, before Urban, after, right after Urban was fired. Said, Am I missing anybody in this in this head coaching? I said, Doug Peterson. How about Doug Peterson? The guy's free agent. Yep. He's on the market. He's done well with an offensive staff. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And you're not having to wait forever to interview him. So I, I thought back then in December he would have been a great hire. And lo and behold, it happens. I just feel kind of like you said. I think it it almost feels like a consolation prize. They they picked him. You know why wasn't he in the picture in these thirty some odd days that elapsed between his first interview and his second? There was clearly something that was uh, just didn't sit well with them after that first interview, and then it feels like things started progressing, and they kept striking out and striking out and. Then they just said, okay, well, I guess he's not that bad then, huh? All right, and, they, and then now they circled all the way back, and so now you got Doug Peterson. I know a lot of people were wanting a coach that had that head coaching experience. Not exactly a lot of them out there, and Peterson was probably, like you mentioned, the best mm-hmm. of the bunch. And one thing that I do like about Peterson is that in the past he's always put together pretty good staffs. I mean, he's worked with a, a Jim Schwartz before, who's a guy that you know I've always been a fan of. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the top uh, defensive minds in the NFL. Um Peterson's already been connected with a few different coaches, possibly a Vic Fangio here as his defensive coordinator. Jim Swartz has been connected. Uh, also, a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers assistant, Mike Caldwell, also connected as possible defensive coordinator candidates for him. Um, as far as an offensive coordinator candidate, it's Press Taylor, who's an offensive assistant with the Colts, who worked under him in Philadelphia as well. Uh, you know, I've thrown out like a Matt Nagy possibly joining mm-hmm. the staff. Um, so we'll have to see if Peterson can put together a rock star kind of staff. Um, the big name that you want to pay attention to is who that defensive coordinator is. Because Peterson, one way or another, he's calling the plays. It don't matter who the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator is. Peterson's the guy that's going to call the shots on offense. So you need a defensive mind. Vic Fangio or Mike Zimmer or uh, Jim Swartz, all three would be rock stars in my mind. Uh, definitely attacking defenses, great defensive-minded coaches that would uh, – help complement an offense that hopefully Peterson can get them on the right track. If people have listened to our News for Jags before, read our newsletters, kind of you kind of beat the same drum. You you build that best staff as possible. Yes. You've been on the Nag- – I mean, Matt Nagy, you've been on um, not so much the Swartz, but just those veteran defensive guys. We didn't know Vangio was going to be available, you know, during the kind of the, the Meyer period between the 16th and uh, the end of the regular season. He's available now. He interviewed for the Jaguars some position with the Jaguars um, in the last couple of weeks. So if you have a guy, you know, to me, I thought I thought it was great. Like when Tom Coughlin was here and 
he had a chance to get Dom Capers on yes. his staff. Yeah. And you hire those guys where you have that experience. You know, Dom didn't come in as, um, you know, taking Tom's job. He came in as that guy, that coordinator type of guy who would add that experience. Dom Capers at the time had like 30 years of experience in the NFL. So you hire those guys, those young minds, those experienced NFL veterans. And I think a, a, a Nagy would do something like that. A, a Schwartz would do something like that. Um, and we kind of like that playing, too, with, when Byron Leftwich was uh, the target or maybe a guy that you had to lean on. He didn't have that head coaching experience. You hire that veteran staff. So we've kind of been on board with that for quite some time. 100%. And I think uh, that's the way you go still now, too. Yeah, and I mean, I think there are a lot of options out there. Uh, Doug Peterson is part of that kind of Andy Reid coaching mm-hmm. tree, so he has a lot of connections around the NFL. One guy that... Um, I was watching at the Senior Bowl this week coaching out on the field. That's a possible option would be Deuce Staley. I mean, he's on that Lions coaching staff as an assistant head coach and running back coach. But, you know, maybe if uh, Peterson calls him up and says, hey, I'll make you the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach, he packs his bag and comes to Mm -hmm. Jacksonville. I mean, he worked under Peterson in Philadelphia. He's considered one of the, you know, top leaders and -and up-and-coming coaches in the NFL. So, I mean, maybe that's a situation where Doug can add some of those up-and-comers to his staff, which – that's the one thing that you know people wanted an experienced head coach because they want someone who can steady the ship. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the one coach that can steady the ship. He needs other guys that are leaders that can be in that room, in those position group rooms, and kind of steady that ship. One of the things that kind of was interesting that came out this morning was Chris Carter was talking about how uh, Urban Meyer wanted to add him to the staff, but Trent Baalke kind of shot it down, and Carter was said that uh, you know one of the things he was supposed to be basically Urban Meyer's. Uh, uh, assistant of sorts to help acro- or get him used to the NFL life and he said one of the things that he would have done was make sure that Urban flew back on the team plane after the Cincinnati thing. and that's, that's the thing is you need so, some of those voices and some of those guys that are there to steady the ship. Chris mm-hmm. Carter could have been that maybe steadying of the ship kind of guy so um, you, Peterson definitely still has to put together a good staff he can't just start throwing darts at the wall he's not the only guy and I think at the very least, he, in the past, has put together those good stats with guys like Deuce Daly that he's employed, with uh, guys like Jim Schwartz that he has employed, that he could put together another one of those staffs, and maybe, you know, we do see a turnaround here in Jacksonville, and they are able to rehab that culture of sorts and uh, get that switch flipped and get back into the playoffs. And I think a lot of the coaching candidates that we knew, heard from, would have been able to do that. I think if Jim Caldwell would have been able to sure. do that. Yeah. Um, I think if Peterson is kind of a no-nonsense guy, I think he'll be able to do that. Um, with Byron Leftwich, you didn't know, but I think he was he would have been kind of the, the guy you mentioned that you get him before they're hot. You know, you get you get uh, Sean McVay before he's Sean McVay. Yeah. I think yeah. Leftwich would have been that. I think fans bought into that substantially, and that's why I think there's a little bit of a lukewarm feeling right now in Peterson around town and um, even across social media, and, and I I think Jacksonville botched the hiring process so badly. Oh, they did. And that's it's what not, has yeah. created this, um, you know, this uh, kind of stench around the franchise where if it wasn't Byron, it was going to be viewed as this is terrible. Um, but, you know, you had Bisaccia in there possibly coming to town. I mean, it was just such a, a poorly run operation that you, you can't blame fans for being angry and even a little bit, um, you know, condescending about this Peterson hire. I think Peterson hire is a good hire for what it is right now. Got to come in and stabilize the franchise and give Trevor that. I mean, Trevor is the most important thing right now, and I think Peterson mm-hmm. brings that element to the team where he's that steadying force. And I think a, a Caldwell could have done the same thing. Not the sexiest of hires for fans, but 
Um, at this point, I think you just need somebody in that building to kind of say, hey, let's stop the boat from rocking. Yeah, they just needed something. And I know, you know, Byron Leftwich, a lot of fans got on board because he was a former NFL quarterback. Well, Peterson spent a lot of time in the NFL as a quarterback. He was a backup most of his career, but he was still in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So he does still have that NFL experience to kind of talk with Trevor and be able to one-on-one, okay, this is what I saw working behind. Yeah. And he worked with some good quarterbacks. He was behind Brett Favre for a lot a lot of years. So, I mean, that's a guy that you can always reference. Well, this is what Brett did. Um, and he made Carson Wentz look like an MVP quarterback, mm-hmm. which yeah. we've seen completely unravel since then. Yeah. So if he can make Carson Wentz look like an MVP I think he can make Trevor Lawrence look pretty good. One with Nick Foles. You know, you won with Nick Foles. Won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Sure did. Hey, Philly special. Can we get a Duval special? I need need to see what he can design and call a Duval special. We'll have to ask him about that. No, I know a lot of fans are kind of worried that it seemed like, you know, a lot of media has been applauding the Doug Peterson hire. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think we're a lot, at least on my end, I'm still pretty harsh on it. Peterson wasn't at the top of my list. I don't think he's a bad hire. But I think the road that uh, the Jaguars took to get here is what makes it look worse than oh, it yes, is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, oh, no, they, there's still a lot of questions that have to be answered. Even if they uh, they do end up landing Rick Spillman, which seems to be uh, the driving force, which seems to be gaining some momentum that that should be announced at some point. Um, but it sounds like he's going to be in more of like an executive vice president role mm-hmm. than, a, than a general manager role, which to me, and I know a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but uh, I think that's a... Asking for dysfunction. And the reason I say that is so in, in Minnesota, it, they both, him and Mike Zimmer both talked openly that their relationship deteriorated. Over the final months of their tenure in Minnesota, the two did not talk. That does not sound like a guy who is a, 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 adverse to confrontation. Mm-hmm. So we got to a point where the general manager and the head coach in Minnesota aren't talking. So we're going to bring that guy in and make him the EVP. That's fine. In a vacuum, okay, that's fine. But you add in, if you're keeping Trent Baalke around as the GM, a general manager that has been in a lot of controversy and dysfunction on his own, Mm -hmm. and now you're kind of demoting him of sorts or putting a guy over him and then going to tell him, okay, yeah, just don't be crazy. Okay, great. So now we've got two guys that both have a little bit of a history of dysfunction, and you got one guy whose pride's probably hurt a little bit after being demoted and going through this whole crazy coaching search. Great. And then you bring in a head coach in Doug Peterson who his relationship with the folks in Philly d- degraded to the point where he was fired last year, like late in the process after winning a Super Bowl and hailed as a hero in Philadelphia for getting it done. And he's out just a couple years later because his relationship mm-hmm. with them deteriorated to that point. So now we've got three guys who at some point in their career have seen some sort of dysfunction in the front office. And we're going to say, hey, y'all, just go work together and get along and we'll be fine. What makes me believe that's going to work? To me, that seems like we're just creating a breeding ground and just convincing ourselves because we got a lot of guys with experience. They should be fine. No, they, they, you've got to have kids that can play well together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. That's that very valid point. And you look, we don't have to look too far back to the Jaguars' history to see how the EVP kind of role worked with Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone. And, you know, Coughlin and Marone were tight. Caldwell was kind of demoted in the process when they brought. Uh, Tom Coughlin back, and obviously that situation was combustible and great for one season. And I don't know if uh, Rick Spielman is is akin to Tom Coughlin, the, um, the, the that old school demeanor. Right. Um, I just wonder how you mentioned three guys who have a little bit of 
uh, scorn, you know, I guess you could say. You know, I, I can't imagine Balky's going to be excited to now have another layer in between him and Shad Khan. Exactly. Who is going to be kind of signing off on these calls? I, I think the hire was really only done because Rick Spielman is, is going to come aboard. I don't right. think, you know, in the process early on, I, I think it was probably a hang-up of Peterson taking that job if he was going to have to report to Trent Baalke. Right. I so, think that, that all kind of played a, a pretty good role in it. And then now we've got Peterson and Spielman, who likely Peterson and Spielman are probably on the same page. Mm-hmm. Spielman talked openly after getting fired in Minnesota um, during his media tour, talking about you know his next head coach, he wanted to make sure it was an offensive guy because mm-hmm. he he felt like you needed a, a coach who could connect with your quarterback. So now he's got that guy. He had kind of been already connected with a, a Doug Peterson as possibly a guy that he wanted to work with. So I think those two will come in on the same page. But like I said, both of them also have dysfunction in their past. And then now you got Trent Baalke who has a a long history of dysfunction, and you want him to be the odd man out in the trio? Like, he's your third wheel, and yes. you think this is just going to, this tricycle's just going to ride down the road? No, yeah, so we're, it seems like we're kind of, this is just hitting the pause button or the setup, or we're just throwing, you know, fuel on the fire of, ooh, this could get bad quick if things don't go well. It's Jacksonville, things always get bad. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, if they, if they don't start winning games, like, I could see this thing blowing up, and it, it won't be pretty. So, you know, and... That's my thing is, I, and I know everybody at some point has a, and just because you don't have a history of dysfunction doesn't mean that you can't get into some of those disagreements and dysfunction like that. But my point is that you've got three guys that have a history of having issues getting along and playing well with others. So I, th- I, I in that scenario, I do think you know, optimistically, it's going to be a, a oh, Bulky would be the first guy. Spielman would be the guy to kind of assert the control, yeah. and Bulky would be the odd man. Bulky would be the first guy out, but the question is, how much damage can, could you do before you get to the point where you can convince him that ah, we got to get rid of this dude? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, how much can he burn down before you get you can say, hey, shot, we got to get him out? I mean, because you start saying, all right, well, this is our power trio. And we've got us three, and we have to get get along together. And then Trent's like, well, I'm the odd man out of this situation. I see the writing on the wall. And, I mean, he's, you know, we've, we've gone through the history of Trent Baalke as far as flexing his mm-hmm. muscles with other coaches and being able to get them out. What's to say he doesn't start to try and weasel that around and control the narrative and see if he can't assert his dominance to stay around? I mean, that, at that point, survival skills. Mm-hmm. So how much damage could he do? I mean, could he drive a fork between Peterson and Spielman. I don't know. But I don't know how close those two guys are, but you, you gotta start asking, all right, well we got this trio and one guy we know is the odd man out of this power trio. Like how much damage can he do? And how much are you how are you willing to risk letting a pyromaniac into a building with gasoline sitting there? Like the Jaguar can't afford any more dysfunction. Yeah. And if this just I don't know. I I like that. I'm okay with the Spielman hire. I just think having him and Bulky and Peterson all in the same room is not the best dynamic. Something, something has to give at that yes. point, and you've got to think that naturally it would be Trent Bulky. I mean, he was around for the Urban Meyer regime, the tail end of the Maroon Caldwell era. Um, what does he have on Shot Khan that continues to keep him employed? You know, I do think that leash is going to be a little bit shorter with the new sheriff in town, hopefully. It's got to be. And, you know, I've kind of been on the fence about the whole bulky thing. I know a lot of fans are just completely gung-ho that he has to go. I'm not his biggest fan. 
Um, I don't think he has great relationships with a lot of people, and the more that players talk about their interactions with him, the more it looks bad. Like, I have one guy who was going to be a free agent this offseason, and, you know, when you're a free agent and an end-of-roster guy and a new head coach and a new GM come in, that ain't exactly a good sign for your chances of staying in Jacksonville. This guy wants to stay in Jacksonville, and he told me, I wouldn't mind if Bulky's gone. You know what I mean? Like, that that's just kind of telling of the relationship that he has with players. And then you got guys like Michael Robinson who work over on NFL Network mm-hmm. now talking about what Bulky told him on his way out of San Francisco. Told him he didn't belong in the NFL, was a fourth-string back at best, and that he should go into scouting. Dude went on a Pro Bowl and won a Super Bowl in Seattle. Like, like and you're supposed to be a talent evaluator. So I've, I haven't been as completely just off the bulky train. Like, I don't think – I didn't think he was the best hire last year. I don't think he, it was a great idea to retain him. I don't think it just can't work either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does have some – some respect in NFL circles. I mean, he did work in the league office before he got to Jacksonville, so clearly somebody likes him. Yeah. Um, but the more that it comes out, the more about these interactions with players, I, the more questions I got about really what is this working dynamic? Why is it, what? How is he just rubbing everyone the wrong way? Like it seems to me like at some point you can't just rub everybody the wrong way. Somebody gotta like you, right? Like, like how? one like, person does. We know Sean likes him. Yeah. Like how is that the one guy he convinced to like him? Yeah, it's the mean, guy that's if you if you want to be liked, that's a good guy to be liked by, right? And that's how it was in San Francisco. Jed Jed York loved him because I mean I started going through the receipts and San Francisco fans were doing similar to what Jaguars fans are doing with them, where they were flying banners over the field, fire bulky and all kinds of stuff. So I mean this this is the second his second go around in something like this. So he's used to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see if he can stick around and how this whole thing kind of works out with him. But I mean at the very least with it seems like there is a new power structure in place and now it's all about building the coaching staff and then we can kind of start to turn the page to free agency in the draft and talk about football. Thank goodness. It just it's so long and I think that's what's rankled fans and media alike. It's just been no direction with this entire None. thing. And None. I think it starts with you're you're not engaged with your fans. Um, you're not putting out information there. You're letting um, you know leaks and sources and stuff kind of give the fans what they need. And I'm not saying that Shad Khan needs to to get approval from fans, but I think it would be would go a long way to say, hey, this is who we're hiring, this is or this is who we're interviewing, uh, this is what we've done. I think that's just the Broncos did a good job of that um, throughout the hiring process. The fans weren't left in the dark. So I do think Shad Khan is in the the franchise has a long way to go to make up the ground. Um, you know, your tenure's owner has been awful. You've had one blunder after the other. The mm-hmm. Urban Meyer fiasco put a bad product out on the field nine yeah. of those ten years, and you're, you're drafting first again overall. And you've been terrible at public relations. You've been terrible at uh, engagement with fans. So I think he's got to hit on this hire. Yeah. Got to hit on this hire. That communication vacuum did make things kind of bad, and I, I know because they weren't saying anything, and Shy keeps things so quiet. It made it hard for fans to really get an idea of where they were going. So then there were a lot of media sources and leaks that that fans were turning to and I, I some of them I you know there's some that I'm extremely critical of because I think some of those leaks were inaccurate because they were coming from too close of sources to these coaching candidates mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I'm I'm pretty pretty locked in that the Hackett thing was was just you know fluff from the Hackett camp mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll say that till the till you know till somebody can prove me otherwise because, you know, you can kind of start to get an idea of where some of this stuff is coming from. 
Um, and you know, when certain people do certain things or say certain things, and that's where the information is coming from, it it allows that group or those agents to really control the narrative because the Jaguars aren't saying anything, mm-hmm. and they're not putting out any of these reports. A lot of it was coming from agents and camps that were trying to force other teams' hands. Um, like I'm, I'm pretty locked in. I'm, I'm almost. I will almost guarantee you. I put it at like 99.9 that that Hackett interview came from Hackett's camp trying to force the Broncos' hand. I'm willing to say that Rams coach report came from his camp because they were trying to force the Vikings' hand. He knew he was a finalist. He knew he wanted that gig. You think the Jaguars wanted that out there that <laughs> that they liked yeah. this dude and can't interview him until yeah. after the Super Bowl? No, they didn't want that out there. That wasn't coming from the Jags. That wasn't coming from people inside the Jags building. That was coming from these agents' camps, these agents, these, these candidates' friends, whatever it may be, that were releasing this information because they wanted these other teams to go and make a move. Um, some of the stuff with Eberflus, I think, was coming out from his folks because they wanted the Bears to go on ahead and make him an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we have to kind of read between the lines. Like, I'm very selective. Like, I'll, I'll talk to people. I'll hear things. It is very rare that I'm going to say something um, because you're, you're only getting the information from one person. And unless it's from somebody that's a decision maker, mm-hmm. it really isn't. You're, you're just pushing propaganda out there. And so these agents will tell you reports and tell you different things that, oh, this is what's going on. Sure it is. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, yeah but they have an agenda too. Their, their allegiance is to their client and getting them paid. So, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff, it seems dysfunctional because the communication was so bad throughout the process. Now, there is a lot of dysfunction that was going on, but some of it just seems worse because of the lack of communication or and the reports that were coming out from people that had nothing to do with the Jaguars and were trying to force these other teams to go on ahead and make yeah. a move. What a disaster. So yeah. we're, we're sitting here today. We know who the coach is. Yes. Um, Finally. What do you grade the hire? And if you could have had the pick of the guys that we know were out there, Eberflus, uh, Kellen Moore, I mean, the list goes on, who would have been your, your coaching hire? And sitting here today, what you know now, Give it a grade going forward. So the the Doug Peterson hire, I'll give it a C. Uh, I think it would have been an A a couple of weeks ago. But the way the process dragged on, the way it went, I can only give it a C at this point. Because um, I don't think that he was their top candidate. I know he wasn't their top candidate. Mm-hmm. That wasn't their guy. Um, and they just landed on him because... He would come. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, you can't give that an A. Like, you're lucky I'm giving you a C on it. Now, the only reason I'm giving it a C is because he's held up a Lombardi trophy, and you don't get coaches like that often. So I'll give him a C. I think Peterson is a good hire, NFL experience. He has a winning track record. He's worked with coaches. He has an offensive background. There are a lot of things to like about Peterson, so I'll give it a C. Um, the guy that I would have went with, um, knowing what I know now, uh, I – I still I said it on the podcast a few weeks ago. My guy would have been Brian Flores. Um, you know, to take the the lawsuit out the window. Like when he was fired by the Dolphins, if I was Shad Khan, I would have been calling him. We up. talked about. It. I we mean, did. How do you, I, we didn't know at the time what was happening. I didn't he know would have been a great that he was going to get railroaded about the Giants gig and that it was going to evolve into this thing. But I said it then. I'll say it now. He got the Dolphins to back to back winning seasons, and that ain't easy to do. And especially when you're telling me the owner's telling you to tank now. 
Who knows if that's true? I'm not saying it is, but that's what he's saying. But on top of that, he did all of that. And to me, the biggest telling point you can learn about a coach is when you get off to a bad start to the season. And the Dolphins got off to a bad start this year. Mm-hmm. You can let the thing snowball, or you can get those guys to refocus and turn it around. He turned it around, seven, got to a winning season. Yeah, see, he lost seven in a row, and he won seven in a row. That's, when your season is in the toilet, you lost to the Jaguars yes. to end their historic losing streak. And the team could have quit on him right could've there. Could have quit. And, I mean, when he was hired, Dolphins were terrible. They were terrible. terrible. And he turned them around. Terrible. Back-to-back one of years. My guy would have been Brian Flores. I brought him in and then told him, build out a staff and let's figure this thing out. That would have been my guy, and I'd have stuck to it. Um, but that that's just me. I, I thought he did a great job in Miami. For whatever reason, Miami surprised everybody by firing him. And that's great. I would have said that was their mistake. Come on up and let's just move a couple hours north, five hours, pack the car, drive to Jacksonville. Let's do this thing. That would have been me. Uh, what do you think? Who, who I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not as harsh on the grade. I think it's a B. I, if I'm giving a grade, I think it's a B. I've seen people give it anywhere from an A-plus to all the way to a D in from national media. So I, I'm, I'm more in the middle of that. I think it's, a, again, I would have probably would have probably been a low A-minus, B-plus had this been – Three and a half, four weeks ago, I do think yeah. had Shad Khan said, Doug Peterson's my guy. I like what he's done. He's got offensive background. Mm-hmm. I think had they made that decision in early to mid-January, it would have been a little bit more uh, forgivable for this whole entire ridiculous process. Um, but I think I, I'd go for a B because of his history. He won a Super Bowl within the last four years. Um, with a backup quarterback, I know it didn't end well in Philadelphia, um, but I like the fact that he's got NFL head coaching experience. You won a Super Bowl, that's a plus. You're an offensive mind. Trevor Lawrence needs that coaching and stability, so I like that. I would have liked to, uh, you know, we talked about this more as, as the process went on, but I, I would have liked to seen what a guy like Byron Leftwich could have done with an experienced staff around him. Um, uh, uh, Matt Nagy in there. Um, I mean, it's, uh, Kellen Moore type is an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Just some guys with that experience around a Byron Leftwich to build. I think that would have energized the fan base uh, significantly more. Return to the roots, whatever. You have the nostalgia effect. But I, I buy into the theory of, of kind of what you're talking about with you get the Sean McVay before he's uh, yeah. Sean McVay kind of thing. And, you know, the, the Leftwich age didn't bother me. His inexperience it bothered me. Mike Tomlin, for God's sakes, was a coordinator for one year. Mm-hmm. Steelers hired him, and look what he's done in Pittsburgh. So right. I don't subscribe to that theory. Um, I think it was a little more risky if, as a first-year head coach, first-year GM together. But I think you hire you know, an up-and-comer like a McVay and surround you guys with that experience yep. and, uh, and see what happens there. So I love Brian Flores, too. I mean, when we talked about that on the podcast, when that was announced that why do, you, why do you get rid of Brian Flores? I mean, I, I liked it, what he did um, down there in Miami. The players seemed to have liked him, and, yep. and he did. Um, he had some success with bottom-of-the-barrel NFL rosters at times. Mm-hmm. You know, when they hired him, that team was just in turmoil. And, I mean, nobody's so, saying that two was going to be the next, you yeah. know, top quarterback in the league either. So Yeah, I, I like the Leftwich kind of guy, a young you know, a young guy surrounded with the experience. Or I like the guy like um, Brian Flores, and and to me, Peterson would have been like a third pick for me. So yeah. um, I like the in, I, I like the inexperienced guy with the experienced coordinators and staff. Yeah. I like the guy Brian Flores who turned around a struggling franchise and had that success. Or I like a guy like a Peterson um, who has been there, kind of done that thing before. So a B for me, 
you got I, I, he would have been my third choice in the process. A little bit earlier, had he been hired, I think it would have been a higher grade for me. Well, we're here now, so I guess uh, it's about time we can go on ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, next week on the News for Jacks podcast, we'll probably be able to start talking about some staff hires for the Peterson staff. Plus, we can kind of finally start looking ahead to the draft and this number one overall pick, what the Jacks should do, maybe a little free agency talk. So uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back here on the in Sports for Jacks Instagram. Plus, you can find the podcast anywhere that you get your podcast, or we'll just head over to newsforjacks.com and click on that sports page. Good.